You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Payment system intrusions are investigated in Mexico. Medical zero days are for sale and not on the black market. SamSam continues to spread. What to look for in bad bots. Patched vulnerabilities are being weaponized at higher rates. Proof of concept car hacking demonstrations show in-vehicle infotainment system vulnerabilities. And when you see these fishbait phrases in an email subject line, be sure to spit the hook. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, May 1st, 2018. Mexico's central bank continues its investigation into a possible cyber attack against payment systems. Connections between the central bank and three financial institutions, two banks and a brokerage, appear to have been disrupted in a cyber incident. Again, the central bank itself believes it was unaffected, and the three institutions are thought to have swiftly contained the attack. Here's a story that shows both the worrisome dual-use nature of testing tools and the very divergent perspectives on researchers' disclosure practices. Moscow-based security firm Gleg, which Boing Boing breathlessly calls a cyber arms dealer, offers an annual subscription service with which customers receive zero days for healthcare-related software. The annual subscription charge is $4,000. Gleg offers at least three different subscription packages. Agora consists of zero days for general-use web software, SCADA Plus Pack has exploits for industrial control systems, and MedPack, of course, holds vulnerabilities in software used by hospitals. An annual subscription gets you 25 exploits, most of them zero days. Motherboard points out that the zero days are marketed for use in conjunction with penetration testing, specifically with Security Canvas Tool. This isn't a black market operation, but it does highlight the very different perspectives circulating concerning disclosure of vulnerability research. Glegg's Yuri Gorkin gave their perspective on proper practice in an email to Motherboard. As he put it, quote, to disclose is not an obligation, end quote. So, a question for the industry. Would well-structured, well-compensated bug bounty programs effectively induce brokers like Gleb to participate in them, or would they simply fuel the digital equivalent of a bandit economy, maybe moderated with some inflationary pressure on the bandits? SamSam ransomware continues its malign spread, rapidly propagating copies of itself across targeted enterprises. The goal is to infect as many devices in an enterprise as possible and then offer a volume discount on the decryptor, which they hope the victim will fork over. Sam Sam really did give the city of Atlanta fits, and those fits have proven both expensive and enduring. 
Distill Network's 2018 Bad Bot Report is out. The company's research finds that account takeover attempts jump roughly by 300% in the wake of a major publicity-announced breach. So here's not only news you can use, but a way of using the news. Distill's Senior Director of Security Research, Anna Westelius, puts it this way in the company's announcement, quote, Every time a breach comes to light and consumer credentials are exposed, any business with a login page should prepare themselves for a swell of volumetric credential stuffing attacks. Quote. Some of their specific findings are interesting. About half of the account takeover attempts Distill saw were volumetric credential stuffing attacks. These bad bot attempts look like a fast spike in requests. The other half are harder to recognize, what the researchers call low and slow credential stuffing and credential cracking. About a fifth of the attacks Distill analyzed were preceded by a small test round a few days before the main event. Such a test should show up as a deviation from the customary baseline of failed logins. And when do the bad guys hit? On Fridays and Saturdays, probably because they expect security personnel to be likelier to be off on those days. Phishing emails often find success in imitating popular well-known brands, fooling the email recipient into thinking they've received a notice or important message from a brand they trust. There's an organization working on making it harder for the bad guys and gals to do this with a system they call BIMI, Brand Indicators for Message Identification. Patrick Peterson is executive chairman and founder of Agari, and he helps us understand what BIMI is all about. Over the last decade, a band of kind of pioneers has come together, and the first thing they did was they brought us DMARC, uh, Domain-Based Messaging Authentication and Conformance, and that solved the first half of the problem, which is how do I actually know that that email from Agari or Aetna or Groupon is really from them? And this next step is now going beyond getting rid of the phishing and the spoofing to actually put trust back into email to actually allow you, when you wake up in the morning, to know is that message really from my healthcare provider uh, or my daily deals offerer? And so take us through how it works. As an email user, uh, what would be different for me? This assumes that DMARC is the base layer, and we actually know that that message from Groupon is in fact authentic. Then BIMI comes in, and what it changes for the end user is instead of looking at their email and seeing uh, their offer from Groupon, they now see a trust indicator. They see the Groupon brand, both when they look at a list of messages to click on, and then when they click on the message, they see in a reserved space that only the email client can put it there, so the bad guys can't place any kind of logos or, or trust marks there, they see the Groupon logo. And so now they know they can engage safely, they know it comes from a trusted party, and our research and experience says this is going to dramatically increase the level of engagement over email, the brand trust, and revenue for people who are sending email. It's also going to make us safer as well. And in terms of uh, the standard that you all are developing, this is an open standard? Absolutely. Uh, DMARC and BIMI, the two of them together, are both open standards, uh, royalty-free. Anyone on the planet can implement them. And folks like Agari, Oath, Aetna, and Groupon have made sure that all these contributions will be available for anyone as an open standard. And, and what's your progress so far? Do you have uh, buy-in from uh, from both the, uh, the folks who make the email clients and from brands? We do, very much so. And so the last two years has really seen us in the lab on those internet mailing lists coming up with the standard itself. 
And the organizations who have been involved in that have been organizations like Microsoft, Google, Oath, which represents Verizon, AOL, and Yahoo, um, as well as some of the big brands also. What's happened in the last couple of weeks is we've done the first pilot. Uh, you know, basically we've sat around and said, we're designing the car. Uh, we've done the drawings, we've done the modelings, we've done the wind tunnel testing. You know, we're really not going to learn more about this car design until we take it out for a couple laps on the track. And so this BIMI pilot with Oath, Groupon, and Aetna are really those pilot laps where we're actually testing for vibrations, you know, seeing if there's things that we couldn't think of in the lab. And we think that will be a key point of proof for some of those larger players who have been very active in the standards development to actually start their own pilot activities as well. Yeah, I can imagine uh, with email having been problematic for so long that you're going to run into a lot of people who are skeptical. Uh, when people push back on you, what kinds of things are they saying? So I think one of the most common misconceptions is that this has not been designed securely. Part of that is it just a misconception. Part of that is there were some earlier versions that were first sketchy prototypes that may not have had all the security considerations. The BIMI group has gone through and ensured that in order for you to display your logo, you have to prove you are who you say you are. You have to prove the logo is yours. And then there are various cryptographic and secure methods to ensure your logo can be fetched and applied to your brand. And in terms of uh, vetting the process, the security behind the scenes, uh, what's that process been like? The first thing is we've actually introduced a new authority for the internet, for the standard. It's called the Mark Verifying Authority. Quite analogous, you know, if we want to see a, a web certificate for Agari, we have to go get our HTTPS certificate by proving we own Agari.com and we are actually legally the Agari entity. Similarly, Groupon reaches out to a Mark Verifying Authority and says, we are Groupon, uh, we do own these logos, and we do own these domains. And then the Mark Verifying Authority verifies that in a secure but lightweight process, and they bind those three things together. Groupon, Groupon domains like groupon.co.uk, and their logos. Then when they publish those uh, with cryptographic security, and the ISPs verify using DMARC, this is truly from groupon.co.uk, they can fetch the logo and display it securely. And there's more on the BIMI website, but that's really the overview of how it works and why we think it's going to be quite secure. That's Patrick Peterson from Agari. You can learn more and sign up for their beta at brandindicators.org. Hackers are actively scanning for vulnerable Oracle WebLogic servers, patched earlier this month. The patch proved incomplete, and the vulnerability was weaponized with unusual speed. The recently patched Drupal vulnerability, CVE 2018-7602, was also swiftly weaponized and is being actively exploited in the wild. It remains to be seen whether these two cases represent a new normal in weaponization rates, or if this is just an unfortunate anomaly. We hope it's the second. Researchers at CompuTest report proof-of-concept hacking of in-vehicle infotainment systems in the Volkswagen Golf GTE and the Audi A3 Sportback. There's no suggestion that attackers could pivot to vehicle controls, but they could gain information about the vehicle's movements. And finally, what's the best fishing bait? Here, around the Chesapeake, it's usually clams, sandworms, eels, or menhaden, but the fishing experts from Tampa, know before, yesterday published their quarterly top 10 fish bait email subject lines. 
Staff Review 2017 was popular, as was UPS label delivery, with the very specific label identifier 1ZBE3112TNY0001501. Don't worry, you don't have to remember those numbers, but it's interesting that they came up 10% of the time. Here's another 10%er. The saucy company policy update for fraternization. And if that don't fetch them, I don't know Arkansas or any other workplace, right? Some of the significant also-rans were revised vacation and time policy, urgent press release to all staff, deactivation of email in process, please read important from HR, and the more hopeful W-2, which popped up 13% of the time. And the number one fish bait, edging out change of password required immediately, which came in at a distressingly high 20%, was... Delivery attempt was made. So, read them and weep, friends, but don't open them. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program. Quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. And I'm pleased to welcome back Emily Wilson. She is the director of analysis at Terbium Labs. We had uh, some news come in uh, back in March about... Some takedowns on Reddit uh, that had uh, relations to the dark web. Can you take us through what's going on here? At the end of March, Reddit decided to enforce some of its uh, existing policies and make it clear uh, where it stands on some of the illicit communities that had been operating on these uh, these subreddits, these communities on Reddit uh, for years now, frankly. 
everyone who uh, is even tangentially involved in the dark web knows that a lot of these discussions take place in the open and were taking place on Reddit. And frankly, it's a little surprising it took them this long to uh, shut it down. But Reddit was a, a big source of information for not only security researchers, but also law enforcement professionals, uh, academic researchers. What Reddit did is they went in and shut down. Um, and by shut down, I don't just mean blocked new posts, but actually closed out and locked communities uh, related to not only the dark web, but also uh, sex work and other activities they deemed inappropriate for their users. And so these communities where people were uh, sourcing information, people were discussing scams and fraud and forgery schemes, people were uh, buying and selling and uh, reviewing drug purchases. These are all gone now. They're no longer on Reddit. And, and so when you say gone, does that mean the archives are gone as well? The archives are technically gone. Yes, there have been a couple of sources circulating of people who had uh, copies or access to copies, different archiving functions that had been used previously. Uh, but yes, there was a, a big loss there, uh, not only for some of the <laughs> some of the more ridiculous things we've seen over the years, but also a lot of the institutional knowledge building that was taking place there on Reddit. And I suppose, I mean, where this is a, the old supply and demand thing. Reddit shuts these down. Do we expect they're just going to pop up somewhere else? Have they already popped up somewhere else? They have already popped up somewhere mm. else. In fact, this will be of no surprise to anyone. The dark web really is like a hydra in that sense, right? You cut off a head and another one, sometimes two, pops up. Uh, there was a smaller online community that was set up before the Reddit takedowns that has seen a huge influx in users. It went from, you know, a few hundred to a few thousand to now over 10,000 just in the past few weeks. And that's registered users. You can view the site openly without registering. So I'm sure their actual traffic is significantly higher. Yeah, it's interesting to me that um, from a law enforcement point of view, uh, does this move these folks farther underground? Does it make it harder to, to keep tabs on what they're up to? It's an interesting question. I would say that I'm sure there are new struggles, but I'm guessing there are also benefits um, and opportunities here as people scramble to reestablish themselves, as they try to figure out what's going on, as they contact each other, figuring out where things have moved. I think if you're in the right place at the right time, this could be good for you. All right. Emily Wilson, thanks uh, for the information as always. Good to see you. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.